0: You are listening to the point harbor church podcast experience a place where you can grow in your faith connect with others and discover the story god has for your life for more resources visit us online at pointharbor.com man how you doing doing good doing good we are starting today uh, our new series in genesis so i don't know if you're excited but i'm excited been working on this, planning this. There's so much in the book of Genesis and I'm really excited to have you here and you folks online too. Uh, we're going to have a good time. But um, thank you, Mikey. Give Mikey a hand. Woo, he's a pulpit carrier. The, uh, <laughs> there is a, uh, back in the day, big, uh, big skyscraper that was only about 10 years old. And uh, then they realized that there's this scary stinking crack on the 42nd floor. And they're like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this thing's only 10, you know, and this crack started getting bigger and bigger and they're really worrying, you know, and and so they called an architect and the architect said, okay, I'll be there at this time. And he comes and, uh, you know, checks in at the front desk and the front desk calls the manager. So the manager goes up to the 42nd floor to meet him, but he's not there. So he's like, what? And so he you know, calls back down and he said, they, they said, well, we just saw him when he you know, came through and we checked him in. And so they're looking for a half an hour. Finally, they find him on the sixth basement and, and the manager's ticked off. The manager's like, what in the world? You know, we call you in here. And I know you're working by the hour and so I don't know what you're doing, what you're trying to pull off, but, but we need you. There's a crack in the 42nd floor. And he said, well, you may have a crack in the 42nd floor, but your problem's not on the 42nd floor. Your problem is right here in the basement. And come to find out a security guard that worked for the, uh, the company there that managed the properties, wanted to build a garage, but didn't have enough money or materials. And so what he did was every evening before leaving work, he would go down to the sixth basement and chisel a brick out of the wall, hide in his lunchbox and take it home. And over five or six years, all of a sudden the crack appeared not in the basement, but on the 42nd floor. All around us here in this room online are folks who have serious cracks in their visible floors of their lives, but it's not just coming from where you're probably seeing it from. And, and something's obviously wrong, you know, in, in our country, say, and in many of our lives and our families, the suicides are skyrocketing. I mean, kids, you know, are killing themselves and teenagers. Marriages are breaking up at an exponential rate. And uh, kids raised in church, and I've seen this amongst some pastors I know who raised their kids and, and tried and meant well, and then their kids, pastor's kids, some of them are saying, not, not only am I not in church anymore, I don't believe in your Jesus anymore. And, and it's right here in our own backyard too that we're seeing the uh, situation up in uh, Richneck Elementary School. Six-year-old kid, six-year-old, takes a gun intentionally apparently and shoots his teacher in the abdomen, six years old. And then you got guys who want to be girls and you see that more and more And then kids being groomed by big business. Disney execs admit, of course we're grooming your children. Well, you got a problem with that? Yeah, matter of fact. And you go, John, you know, why are all these things happening? We didn't have anything like this in my day. And and I'm not going to ask you how many of you feel old, but a lot of you are saying the things that you really didn't like your parents saying, you know, about, well, in my day, and now you find yourself saying that same thing, don't you? And but in my day, you say, if we ever sassed mom, we'd get our butts whipped, how many? And and it worked. I'm alive and I'm not in prison. Right? And nobody called CPS. Nobody thought to do it. All the other neighbors are like, It's about time they spanked that child. And then we play outside a mile, two miles from our house, and all Mom said was, Hey, come in when the street lights come on. And we would sleep with the windows open. You know, only protection is the screens, and that's not protection against people. That was protection against the Skeeters. What's happened? What has happened? We, we're living in a culture where the foundation, the bedrock, is not just being minimized, but it's being despised, and then it's being destroyed. They say the quickest way to demolish a building, no matter how or where it's built, is to attack it, and it's... Oh, Get the right color pen here. Foundation. That's where you attack. That's where you see Satan attacking. That's where you see Satan attacking our faith, and that's why the heaviest attacks on the Word of God are typically in the first few chapters of the Word of God, because that's the foundation of the Word of God. John Phillips has it this way: I like this. If a person can be persuaded to pull out the first pages of his Bible, you know that all that stuff about creation and stuff, the flood. That's probably not true. Let's just take that out. It will not be long before the last pages will be falling out also. And that was Jesus' point with his whole building on the rock uh, statements here. Jesus is preaching, teaching. He says, "This this is interesting to me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? All right, it's not Buddha, Buddha. It's not Islam, Islam. These people are calling Jesus Lord, which means they claim to be what? Believers, Christians. But then you don't do what I tell you. And then he says, let me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me throw down on you a little bit. Everyone who comes to me, everyone, and, and listens. So first they come to me, all right. I came to Jesus. And then listens to my words, all right. I'm listening to Jesus. And then number three, puts them into practice. Th- these people, and only these people. Now, there's a bunch of you. You're the first two, maybe. But some of you aren't the third. Some of you online, you're not the third I'll show you what he is like, this person that does all three. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and then laid the foundation on bedrock. And then the floods came, trials in your life, situations, uh, uh, maybe a, a, a financial reversal or a, or a bad uh, doctor's report. The river burst against that house but could not shake it. Why? Because it had been well built. That's some of you, some of you are all three and hallelujah for you. And hopefully you'll Decide to be all three if you're not all three today. But, he said, let me tell you, the person who hears, so he hears, or she hears, I was in church, I go to that church, and does not put my words into practice. That's a bunch of you. I love you, but that's a bunch of you. You know it is. How do you know, John? I go on your Facebook and tell. Right? Some of you brag about the things I'm like, oh my goodness. Now, I'm not on Facebook, praise God, but I have staff, and they're on Facebook, and sometimes they go, did you see this? And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. All right, so some of you brag about your crap, does not put my words into practice. It's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it trials, it collapsed immediately and was utterly destroyed. And that's, what some, that's where some of you are living right now, and that's where some of you are headed because you need bedrock, and that's our new series, and I'm excited about it, on the book of Genesis, bedrock, the foundations of my faith, my family, and my future. All of those foundations are found in the book of Genesis, and I want you to be here every week, against, unless providentially hindered. Do you know what providentially hindered means? It means you're hindered by providence. You know what the providence, it's an old word. It means God. It means God kept you away from his church. Now he don't usually do that. All right. Doesn't mean the weather kept you away from church or sports on TV. It means God said, here, have the COVID. Then you can stay home. But I want you to be here every week, unless providentially hindered, and I want you to uh, invite folks to come with you because we're going to drill down uh, over these next weeks into the bedrock, get answers for you, not only in the crisis of our culture, we'll get those, but also the hurt in our homes, practical stuff that, that the book of Genesis has that many of you have never seen or, or, or don't or haven't visited in a while, uh, for your feeble or failing marriages, some of you, for fixing your kids. How many of you have kids? How many of you, your kids are stinking insane? Don't raise your hand. Oh. (laughs) Just wait till they turn into teenagers, Hank. For for finding your unique purpose in this life. If we're answering the tough questions that 10 years ago, most of us would never even ask. Tough questions like, why should I believe in God? Now I grew up, you know, just like, oh, I'm an American, I believe in God. I go to church, I believe in God. And I did. I I did not have a saving faith, but I had an intellectual assent, right? But nowadays, it's like, no, why should I even believe that there's a God? And then, if there's a God, why should I obey this God? And is there any hope for me? Does God say anything about stuff like transsexualism or homosexuality? Here's one why can't I marry my dog? Or even further, why can't I be a dog? You're like, what? Nobody asked that. Have you ever heard of the furries? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Furries. I hadn't heard of it until like a year ago. But the furries are people that identify as animals, I guess. They dress up as animals. And, 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 and run around and do animal sounds. And, and meow, meow, and stuff like that. And they're serious, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. So why can't I be a dog? The Genesis tells you. <laughs> and we'll look at it. Most of us are interested in the big questions of life. You know, if you've got a brain and you think at all, where did we come from? Uh, why are we even here? What makes us tick? Uh, how could I be a success? How did the world get into this stinking mess? What's the future of this sick world? What's my future? All of the answers are found in the book of Genesis. So we're going to spend some weeks, actually several months. Yeah. On the book of Genesis. So now let me set the table, okay? Because some of you are jaded. I love you, but you're jaded. You're jaded. You've been discipled, taught wrongly. Because I, I know in this crowd or online, there's there's several I'm sure people that would say, "All right, John. Okay. All right, you're going to do this whole series for some months." on the book of Genesis, which I'm I'm sure, John, you've been educated, right? You've got some Bible college, you've got some seminary. And and so, you know, you understand that Genesis is mostly allegorical, it's mostly stories that are just there to teach a certain morality. That, I mean, no educated person believes that God just poofed all this stuff into existence, right? No educated person, John, I'm sure you you don't believe that there were two people with the real names of Adam and Eve, and, and then a snake that, talks and in a worldwide flood not just a flood in franklin but a worldwide flood come on man maybe you say that stuff maybe you gotta say that stuff for the little old ladies but if i got you out at a pub somewhere i'm sure you know after a few drinks you'd tell me that you don't believe those stories are true either you'd be sorely disappointed you'd be sorely disappointed Now, you can invite me to the pub and pay, (laughs) but you'll hear the same from me there as you do here, because I believe every word of it, every word, all the way from the in in Genesis to the amen in Revelation, everything in between, I believe with all my heart with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. You know who else believed it? Moses <laughs> believed Genesis literal. Moses believed that. In Exodus 20, Moses is writing, For in six days the Lord made heavens, made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that was how many days? Six days. And and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Moses was a highly intellectual dude, trained in the best colleges, secular colleges of Egypt, he was very astute. God sets a person up and then uses them to write scripture. Now you're like, wait a second. If you know a little bit about Moses and you know a little bit about history, you're like, wait, wait, wait. But Moses wasn't there. He wasn't an eyewitness, John. I mean, he's just passing on stuff. But there's this thing that we call inspiration. That means God breathed. See if I can spell it. Inspiration. All right. God breathed breathe. That's how scripture came. All right. God breathed. That's how we got the scripture. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, then this doesn't matter to you. But some of you, you have maybe a problem with this and you think, well, maybe that, you know, stuff, there's just kind of some stories. And I believe the Bible, but Moses wasn't there. So no prophet was there for the fulfillment of their prophecy. And yet you believe those, Right? How, how, did, how did a prophet know that 400 years from now, you know, there's going to be this thing, this little town of Bethlehem. How did they know that? They weren't there. But what is it? God breathed. It's inspired. In the same way that the prophets look forward, Moses is looking back by the inspiration of Scripture. And Moses believed that Genesis is literal. Guess who else did? Paul. Huge intellect. In Timothy, he's writing to a young preacher. He says, for Adam, look at he uses the name, was formed first and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. So he's talking about the fall here, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Paul believed that Genesis is literal. Huge intellect, Paul. But most importantly, guess who else believed it? Jesus believed that Genesis is literal. Matthew 24. For as Jesus preached along and he says, let me give you the illustration. For as were the days of Noah, he uses the dude's name. So will there be the, uh, will be the coming of the son of man. He's talking about his second coming for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they became unaware till the flood came and swept them all away, swept them all away. So will be the coming of the son of man. All right. What does that mean? It either means that Jesus is telling the truth or he's lying, right? Now, listen, 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 listen. Listen, I want you to get this. If they got it wrong, if, if, if uh, 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 Moses and, and uh, Paul and Jesus got it wrong, then the Bible is not inspired. If they got it wrong. It's not infallible, right? It's not inerrant. Quit laughing at my spelling. And it's not... If it's not these, then it's not life-changing, okay? And if Jesus got it wrong, pay attention now, he's not God. He's not God, or he was lying. Because in order for, for, and, and by the way, if that's true and he's not God, then you're going to hell, and I'm going to hell, and we're going to hell. Because I have to, you have to have a Savior who is perfect, who has no sin, is lying a sin. Yes, is stretching it. Some of you didn't answer. You're like, Well, you know, depends on what kind of a lie. (laughs) Is lying a sin? Yes, Yes, thank you. Is it tax season? (laughs) So if lying's a sin, stretching the truth is a sin, and Jesus stretched the truth just because of, you know, the people he didn't want to upset, the people that were listening to him, then Jesus is a truth stretcher, and and that means he is not perfect, which means he's not the all-sufficient Savior. And, and we're going to hell. <clears throat> but, 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 and I want you to hear this. We have a perfect, inspired, inerrant, infallible, sinner-sanctifying, all-sufficient, perfectly true, soul-saving, life-changing word of God. That's what I hold in my hands here. That's what we have. Because if we don't have that, then I need to go get an honest job. And I could be sleeping in right now. So of course I believe it. I believe it and you should too. So, so listen, I want you to get this, listen, listen. With, without this biblical bedrock, you are hopeless. There is no reason, no hope for you. To exist, no reason for you to exist, which is why there are a bunch of suicides nowadays. The, the foundations have be, been being destroyed, and as they're being destroyed, some of your kids and some people, especially young people, they're, they're told, oh, yeah, "We just, a, you know, you were just a kind of a happenstance. You just kind of, you know, you, you poofed into existence because of evolution, and so there's no real purpose for you. So when the going gets tough, then if there's no purpose for me, I might as well end it because there's really no heaven or hell either." Except there is. You're hopeless. You're soulless. Just an animal at the top of the food chain. You are rudderless. You have no will of God to follow and fulfill. And you are Christless. You are headed to hell. Without this biblical bedrock. That's why it's so important. And so I'm already ticking a few of you off. And so I got a good start on this series. So... <laughs> Let me set the table. Because I'd wager that most of you have never read the book of Genesis through. And I know how, how it goes, right? Oh, it's a new year. You've got to read the Bible through. So you get you know, four days in a row. Woo, got a streak going on. And then something happens. Aunt Bertha comes in from out of town. And you and Aunt Bertha don't get along. And so, you know, you missed your coffee with Jesus. And then something else happens. And then football's on TV. And now you're four days behind. So what do you do? And many of you, have, you've read the first seven chapters of Genesis 100 times. You have no idea what goes on after that. <laughs> so I'm not trying to shame you. All right, And I'm saying, hallelujah, you're here. And, and that's one major reason for this series, Bedrock, because with these Bedrock truths, you can start to rebuild your life. If you, if you get them, if you get them, if you drill down, like Jesus said, deep into them, you can, you can start rebuilding your marriages or your kids' lives. And so that text again, I love this text where Jesus lays it out. And this is all, in the, all the way in the New Testament, but he's telling the same truth. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And Lord means master. Yes, sir. Yes, boss. And, and don't do what I tell you. The two do not. Compute, everyone, everyone who comes to me, remember, number one, and listens to my words and then does what? Come on. Puts them into practice. I will show, that's that's who this person is. I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house, dug down deep, laid the foundation on bedrock. When the floods came, rivers burst against that. So he's got trials, he's got issues, but it could not shake it my house, my life, my family, because it has been well built. But conversely, some of you, a person who hears and does not, so he hears, I'm here, but does not put my words into practice, into practice, is like a man who built a house, built a house, got married, got a family, got a life, got a career. But it was built on the ground without a foundation, not on the bedrock. And then the same things are going to happen to you. You're going to have trials situations, downturns. It collapsed immediately and was utterly what? Destroyed. I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. So we're going to dig in. You ready to go? Here we go. All right, some background techie stuff because you need to, uh, what are you inside? Tell me what you're inside. Huh? No. Yeah, you'd be way too spiritual. In your body. What is inside? What's holding you up? What? What? I'm, I'm deaf. Come on now. Bones. Skeleton. And so you need to, when you understand, when I work on a sermon, I get the text, and then you know, I pray through the text, I look in the original languages, and then I see where that text goes. What's the skeleton of that text? That becomes my outline. There is a skeleton to the book of Genesis. The thing that holds it all together, the thing that holds it erect. If you understand that, you're going to start understanding Genesis, all right? I'm here to help you. Say, thank you, Pastor John. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's give you an overview of where we're going. Authors, who? Moses. You can call him Mo. Mo. For Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law. The person who does the commandment shall live by them. Interestingly, there's that same statement that Jesus had. Don't just, you know, have the law, but live the law. So there's old Moses. Moses was the author, the human author. Who was the real author? God. All right, date. When was it written? Last week? 1960? (laughs) I don't know. When was it? Around 1445 B.C. to 1405. Nobody knows for sure because we weren't there. But it had to be here. Now, if you're good at math, you're like, okay, okay, 40. What does that remind you of? Huh? Wandering in the wilderness. Probably somewhere after the Red Sea and before he died. Because can you write stuff after you're dead? No. All right. So, in the wandering in the wilderness, probably in the wilderness, Moses, and he'd had plenty of time, 40 years, right, to write the, the book of Moses. Quick flyover of the book. Two major divisions. How many? Two. Two. Two major divisions. All right, now this will help you. This will help you. Two basic huge divisions in the book. Number one division, bring it up for me. The Genesis, or what does Genesis mean? The beginning. Beginnings. The beginnings of the human race. Primeval history. Chapter 1 through 11. Say chapter 1 through 11. All right, that's the first half. You can just take a... And write down the middle, and that's the first half because it deals with the creation of the universe, human race, etc. And then the second Division in the book of Genesis, the Genesis or the beginnings of the Hebrew nation, the what nation? The Hebrew nation, God's chosen people, patriarchal history, chapter 12 through 50. Say 12 through 50. All right, now you know more than most people know on Genesis, but I'm going to help you more. Say thank you, John. Oh, you're welcome. All right, in back to number one, the Genesis of the human race, primeval history, there are four major events. How many? Four. What are they? Creation, fall. Flood, Babel. What are they? Creation, Fall, Flood, Babel. All right, this is gonna be a test. Four major events, how many? Four, what are they? Creation, <clears throat> Fall, Flood, Very good, all right. You know more than two-thirds of church people. You really do. Now, in the second division, the second half of the book of Genesis, from chapter 12 to chapter 50, actually, the biggest part of the book, there are four important people. You can break it up with stories of four basic important people. All of them are related to each other. They keep having kids, and these are basically the the, the, the kids, the firstborn, typically. Abraham, number one, Abraham. All right, say Abraham, Amen. then Isaac. Isaac, then Jacob, Amen. then Joseph. Yes. All right. <laughs> four important people. Close your eyes. Don't cheat off your neighbor. Who are they? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Very good. Whew. All right. Are you learning? Are your life being changed yet? Not yet. <clears throat> now, what does Genesis mean? Somebody already hollered it out. Wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, for the love of Pete, this happened. All right. Uh, I need Liz. Liz, you need to come up and do your stuff. All right. So, Genesis it means it means it's a Greek word that means uh, beginnings origin source etc uh, and, and it's all about beginnings it's all about the beginnings the beginnings of the universe the beginnings of mankind the beginnings of sin the beginnings of salvation from sin the the beginnings of the different ethnic groups now notice I didn't say races all right because how many races are there there's one race mankind right but different ethnic groups where did that happen At Babel. Very good. The beginnings of the Arab-Israeli conflict. All right. It's not Liz, but it's Chad. Come on, give Chad a hand there. (laughs) This actually happened in the first service. All right. So uh, the beginning of that, just ignore him. All right. Look here. Look here. (laughs) The uh, Israeli-Arab conflict has been going on forever and ever and ever. It started here in the book of Genesis. And it's really sad how it started. The beginning of God's covenants. So in a beautiful symmetry, Genesis shows Satan's victory and man's expulsion from paradise. So Genesis shows Satan's victory and man's expulsion from paradise, but what's the last book of the Bible? Tell me, tell me. Revelation. So it's like a bookends. Genesis talks about Satan's victory and man's being kicked out of paradise. Revelation talks about Satan's defeat and man walking in paradise again. So that's a it's kind of I just thought that was cool. So <clears throat> Go old school. Turning your Bibles to the front, Genesis one one, probably page one. Depending. Thank you. Give to Chad Woo. Thank you, Chad. All right. Have no idea, but not today, Satan. All right. Oh, all right. So this is what it looks like in your Bible. Yes. Huh? No. I actually put that in your handout just because I think it's cool. Now. If you know anything about Hebrew, Hebrew, in, in English, we read from left to right. Hebrew, you read from right to left. All right, so I need you to memorize this by next week. All right, no, but what is it? All right, in, in your Bibles, turn your Bibles, even though you know it, most of you can quote it. Let me look, let me look. Page one, where's page one? Here it is. In the what? You have to read it with me. Be Presbyterians, ready? In the beginning, God created... The heavens and the earth. Do it again. That was pretty pathetic. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whenever I say that, be a Presbyterian, some people, new people go, is this a Presbyterian church? (laughs) Didn't even know. No, it's not. I I grew up Presbyterian reform. And we did that all the time, responsive reading. Now, all right, that one little verse is power packed. It's it's packed with power. There was a newspaper, kind of a famous guy, I guess. His name was Harold Fotskew. When he was a junior reporter, he tells a story of himself. You know, they always send the cub reporters out to, you know, report on stuff that doesn't matter to anybody, like little social functions. And so his first assignment was a social function. And so he went there and he dressed up and he took all the notes and he interviewed people all over. And he came back and, and, and presented this magnus opus to the editor, like 27 pages. And the editor goes, I, I can't print this. Cut it down to one page. And he said, this, this that's impossible. I mean, I was there and I, I, I ate and I wanted to talk about the food and the different interactions with the people and all that would be impossible. He says, young man, the editor barks, you have evidently failed to observe that the story of creation is told in just 10 words. And that's the wonder of God's word. A power packed punch to Satan in one little verse. So Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're gonna just tick through it real quickly. I'm gonna make what I think is the point that he's making here. In the beginning, what does the beginning mean? Wait a second. The start, yeah. In the beginning, the in the, in the origin, in the first, it, it mean first or the first fruits. Not the beginning of everything, right? Because it, it was just the beginning of what? You tell me. Huh? Man, universe, right? But who was, oh, I just gave it away. (laughs) Who was hanging around before the beginning? God. Yeah. So God's already here, but then he says, hey, let's make some cool things. And so that's the beginning of everything we know and we understand. Because you can't understand God in eternity before the beginning. And so we need a linear time flow, and that's what he's basically giving us. All right. In the beginning, who? God. God. Elohim. Which in, in this word Elohim means creator, also judge, sovereign. That's what that's what God is talking about, Elohim. And interestingly, I love this: the word is plural. It's plural, which hints at what the Trinity of God. Yeah. And so I just love how he just kind of just gives this little hint, this little hint. And so with all of this and all of the stuff that we can look at in this first little power-packed verse, the Bible, this is, I want, you, I want you to get this. The Bible makes no attempt to prove the existence of God. No attempt, which is kind of amazing. God is presumed, in the beginning, God. I presume that you believe in God. And you're like, what in the world, you know? Why why don't they try to lay out the proofs for God? And and I'm going to show you here in a second. But God, Elohim, creator, judge, king, sovereign, 32 times in 31 verses in Genesis 1 is mentioned by name and then 11 more times by the use of a pronoun, 43 mentions of God in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is the most God-centric chapter in the whole word of God. And here's the the main point, the big idea I want you to get. I want you, this is, in your point groups, you're going to be talking about this. And there's a question. What was the main point? If you mess this up, you aren't listening. All right, so listen. Are you listening? listening? All right, and this is huge. I'm not called to prove God. I'm called to proclaim the gospel. I am not called to prove God. I am called to proclaim the gospel. That is huge. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Prove it to me. Don't have to don't have to I want you to grab that I'm not called to prove God I'm called to proclaim the gospel it's because people say John I have a friend or a relative coworker, worker or whatever and, and, and he or she doesn't believe in God they're an atheist or they're agnostic now atheist this is just free atheist atheist dang it you try writing this way it's hard been to college, a theos. All right. What does theos mean? Oh, look at some of you. Very. All right. What does a mean? A without or none. That's an n. None. All right. That's atheist means no god. All right. Agnostic, spelled right, is a Basically. And that means what? What is gnosko, anybody? Oh, look at you. Knowledge. So that means no knowledge. So an agnostic is just someone that don't know nothing. Seriously. At least about God. All right? So, you know, but John, I got, you know, a friend or whatever, a neighbor. They're atheistic or they're agnostic and they don't believe in God. And, 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 and I've been trying to prove God's existence so they'll come to Jesus. You're probably wasting your time. You're probably... Probably wasting your time. Moses, by the, God's Holy Spirit, uh, the inspiration of God, has this great place right here at the front end to lay out all the proofs for God's existence, and he doesn't take it by the inspiration of God. Why? Get this, get this, get this. You don't believe through God's proofs. You believe through God's power. You do not believe through all the miracles and all, and all the proofs. Those are the icing on the cake. You believe through God's power. Say it another way. You don't come to Christ via evidence. You come to Christ via evangelism. Now this is huge to understand and it'll help some of you that are so perplexed and distressed about reaching some folks for Christ. It is not me proving something that that really can't be proven. Now you go... I would stop by two of our young guys out there. after, And they're both intellectuals. And, and so they're like, hey, John, but are you saying that we shouldn't use the proofs because I have some folks that are willing to give it, you know, when I lay out these proofs for creationism. Like, no, no, no. I'm not saying don't use them. I'm saying those will not save. That's not the power. That is not the power. Look at this in Romans one sixteen, And this, this is huge. Paul lays this out. I am not ashamed of the what? Gospel. For it, the gospel is the what? Power, that's the Greek word dunamis, which, from which we get dynamite. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What is the power of God? The gospel. And that is a power. It's, it's a supernatural thing. It's not an intellectual thing. Now, don't hear me discounting the intellect. All right? I love intellectual things. I love reading. I love, I love arguments. You're going to hear some of them next week about creation versus evolutionism. So I, I'm totally into that. But that does not have the power to save. That just has the power to affirm the message. Just like the miracles that Jesus did. They did not have the power to save. They had the power to affirm who he was. Nobody comes to Jesus except by the gospel. What is the gospel? Tell me what the gospel is. Death, burial, resurrection. So many Christians, so-called, think that the gospel is just me being nice. I'm showing them the gospel. I cleaned their sidewalk. I'm showing, No, you're not showing them the gospel. You're showing them you're a nice neighbor. You're not showing them the gospel unless you explain the death, burial, resurrection. A lot of churches say we do gospel work and they go out and feed the poor. Is that a good thing to do? Hallelujah, yes. That's a very good thing to do. But don't tell me you're doing gospel work unless you are proclaiming the gospel. And the gospel has the power of God. It's the, it's the power of God for salvation. If you're going to heaven, you're going there because God took his dunamis. Somebody witnessed to you. They might have shoveled your driveway in order to get the opportunity for a hearing. But they gave you the gospel, which has to include the death, the burial, and the resurrection. They basically pulled, whether they knew it or not, the gospel pin on the grenade. And it exploded the dunamis. And it did a supernatural work in your life. And you came to Christ. That's the power of God to salvation. So, look at 1 Thessalonians 1. We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you in that our gospel did not come to you merely in words, but in what's that? Power. It's the same word, dunamis, and in the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. How do I know that somebody is chosen? (laughs) Because they respond to the gospel. That's what he's saying. 2 Timothy 1, 10 through 11. He has broken the power of death. I love this. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking about. Some of you, you say, John, I tell you what, I, I'm just my husband. I need, to, I need to tell him about all his problems and his issues so that he'll come to Jesus. Trust me, he won't. Here's you got to write this down. All right, this is not a blank for this, but this will help you. And I'll get the guys in a second, ladies. Write this down. Nagging never works. The first service I said it, one guy sitting right there, sitting next to his wife said, Hey (laughs) man, you're going to be in trouble later nagging never especially 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 listen to me oh john i'm my husband he's dying he's gonna to go to hell i've been telling him i've been telling him, you need to go down there and hear john houston you need to go to the point Harbor church you know what your husband is doing why because men are prideful creatures i'm not saying it's right i'm saying it's true amen guys amen. we're prideful and if you're a real man you ain't gonna let anybody tell you what to do especially if they're littler than you. So you might be able to tell me things around in my life, but I got something in my soul. That's, that's more private and stuff. And you just stay out of that, girl. That's, that's kind of the, that, I, don't, I don't chauvinistic. I know what I'm saying. I'm talking about your husband. That's why, what does the second Peter says? Wives can win their husbands. Talk about their husband on their way to hell. Win them to Jesus without a word as they behold their chaste conversation. In other words, they're seeing that. Now, he's not talking about... Not, he needs the gospel to trust Christ, but the gospel may have to come from somebody else. Maybe not. But what he needs to see in you is Jesus. That's what he needs to see. Now, ladies, let me help you out. Because... And, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get some emails. It's Tom at pointharbor.com. <laughs> broad brushing. Okay, this is free. It's not my notes. <laughs> women tend more. Again, Not some of you women never do this and you're unicorns, all right? But typically women tend more to the nagging side because they say, if, if he would just listen, and obviously he wasn't listening this time, so I'll tell him again. And then you know, and and maybe it was just the the temperature was bad, and the the humidity was too high, and his ears were plugged, and all, and and so I just need to tell him again. And if I tell him again, and maybe I tell him different times and different ways, then he'll hear and he'll say, "Okay, you are so smart, girl. I love you. Thank you for changing my life." Never going to happen. It's not because we are prideful jerks, and we don't like to be told what to do. Now. Conversely. So women tend, tend, tend more to nagging. Men tend more to the I told you so. What's that called? Help me, Robin. What is it? Scolding. Thank you, girl. How did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Men are more scolds. Why did you do that? What were you thinking? Who raised you? We're more scolds. I am. I tend more to scold. Now, I can do both, and she can do both, but she more this side of the street and me that side of the street. What does that have to do with anything? You're not going to nag your husband into heaven. You're just not. You ain't got that power, girl. He didn't give you that power. It's the gospel. Give him the gospel. Don't give him the... I'll give him the gospel every night. No, stop it. <laughs> if he heard it, all it takes is once. It might be a delayed fuse, right? We had a guy years ago came to this church on Easter. And uh, he's one of these guys that he's smart, intellectual. He knew he was smart, though. And he was very sharp. He he was quick-witted, you know. He could cut you down like that, like Zorro. And one of our guys invited him. They both worked together. They're both in the Navy. They're both Navy Corpsmen. And the guy who invited him, the guy who was invited by him. The quick-witted guy really didn't care for him. (laughs) But he still, whatever. And, and Jerry, Jerry Tucker is the one I'm talking about who was invited. Jerry is a Christian, just got his life right with God. And so he's inviting all these people at his workplace over at the Portsmouth hospital, Naval Naval hospital. And he was bugging Mark and Mark's like, come on, man, that stuff's not whatever. That's stupid. But for whatever reason, Mark decided to come one time, probably just to get Jerry to quit, and shut up. And he comes in and Lynn Hardaway and my predecessors preaching. I'm doing music of all things. And they're sitting back there on Easter and Mark is about five, six rows back. And he's sitting there just, whatever, this is stupid, this is stupid, whatever. And Lynn gives the gospel. And an the invitation, one of those old Baptist invitations. He said, if you would like to trust Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you realize that you're a sinner, you realize that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, went to the grave, paid your sin penalty, and, and rose victorious on the third day. And, and if you know you need to trust Jesus, raise your hand. And Mark said, I raised my hand. and thought, what the hell? <laughs> he came forward and trusted Jesus. Got out of the Navy, went to Liberty University, came back on our staff, was here on our staff working with me, and then is back at Liberty University teaching people how to counsel Christians with problems. Was that that Lynn was so smart? Now, no, no you know, whatever's to Lynn, but no. That was the power of God, the gospel exploding in his heart. That's, that's what he's saying here. So we're not, we're not called to just, I love how Spurgeon says it <clears throat> about the, the Bible. He says, people talk about defending the Bible. I got to defend the Bible. He said, the Bible doesn't need defending. The Bible is like a caged lion just open a door and let it out. It'll defend itself. That's what he's talking about. In the beginning, God created, which is bara, Elohim bara. He brought it into existence. Let me see. I'm getting ahead of myself. Created. it. There you go the heavens and the earth, everything. A whole bunch of evolutionary scientists have wasted a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time trying to figure this one out when they could have just turned to page one. <laughs> John, I tell you what, I got a lot of arguments that'll blow you away. Fine, fine, fine. You know, take your best shot. But, and, and we're gonna talk about it next week. But let me just say this. And I'm not going to steal my thunder. It takes more faith evolution person for you to believe your system than for me to believe my Savior. Amen. It does. It takes more. And we'll talk about it next week. So how did he do it, John? How did he do it? Well, all we got is Scripture to tell us how he did it. By faith. By what? Faith. By faith. We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. Let me, let me just sidetrack real quickly. By faith. That, that statement that it takes you more faith to believe your system than me to believe my savior? Because in your system, you, in, in my faith, my savior, he spoke it into existence, bam, by his power. In your system, well, what happened? What happened? Well, it was the big bang. All right, cool, cool. All right, big bang. How did the big bang happen? Well, there were these gases. Okay, where did the gases come from? Nobody can answer that. Somebody tried. They're like, "Well, there was these Martians, and they were eating beans." What? Well, I I but then that just moves it one step back, because then you ask, "What? Where did Martians come from?" Right? I mean, that's, you you have to. Only God, only a God can create something out of nothing. That's his point. By faith, we understand. That the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I I like how he says in Romans four, "the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist." In the Latin, they have a a word for that, ex nihilo, which basically means what? Out of nothing. That's what it means. Out of nothing. God, ex nihilo, created something out of nothing. How could he create something out of nothing? Because he's God. Because he's God. He can do anything, anytime, anywhere that he wants to do anything. Like the atheist who was taking a walk through the woods, admiring the accident of evolution. Like, oh, look at these beautiful, huge trees and and this beautiful river and those beautiful animals and just, you know, how it all evolved and how it's so amazing that all of these mutations have made such wonder and beauty. And all of a sudden he hears a rustling in the brush behind him. He turns and looks, seven-foot grizzly coming at him. He's like, oh, oh. So he takes off. He takes off. The dude runs as fast as he can. The thing's coming. He looks over his shoulder. The, the bear is getting closer and closer. He tries to run even faster. He's crying. He's so scared. Tears coming to his eyes. Looks over his shoulder again. There's the bear right there his heart's pumping frantically and he, then he turns around and hits a log trips falls over in the ground he rolls over to pick himself up he sees the bear is right there on top of him raise that paw to kill him and at that instant he cried out for the first time in his life oh my god just then time stops <sighs> the bear freezes the forest is silent the river stops moving Bright light shines from heaven. Voices out of the sky, you deny my existence all these years. Teach others that I don't exist. Credit my creation to a cosmic accident. And now you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as a believer? And the atheist realizing he's still got that pride issue, looks into the light and he said, well, it would be rather hypocritical of me to ask to be a Christian after all these years. But but at least could you could you could you make the bear a Christian? (laughs) Very well, says the voice. Light goes out, river starts running again. Bear puts his paw down. Then he brings his other paw together. Big old grizzly bear bows his head and says, Lord, I thank you for this food that I'm about to receive. Our God can do anything he wants. Amen. You got a problem in your faith? The answer is in Genesis. You got problems in your marriage, you turn to, to in, in your Bible to the beginning, the bedrock, the book of Genesis, problems raising your kids. Juvenile delinquency starts in Genesis. The guys, there were some guys that came out to my house. We were, my brother was in town. What was it, a couple weeks ago? And, and I thought, oh, you know, hey, cool bring some of the guys out. Then my brother's a contractor. And, and so, you know, some of the guys that helped me with construction out there, I decided to invite them. And we just had brats and hamburgers and stuff like that, sides that Robin made. And, but we're out in the shop because mama won't allow us in the house, you know. <laughs> but we're in the shop, got the wood burning fire going, you know, there. And, and uh, I'm out there because I'm a nice host. I'm cooking the brats and the hamburgers. And they're in there chewing the fat and eating. And then I find out when I come in that they've been asking if the sermon illustrations I tell here, they're asking my brother, are those really true? <laughs> you know, did, uh, your, your, your brother tells a story about him poisoning, uh, accidentally poisoning your horse, and then it died, and it well, ran around crazy till your dad shot it. Is that true? And my brother's like, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, he verifies that. And then the big one's like... <clears throat> Did your dad really get in a fist fight with your, your, his dad? Or did your brother get in a fist fight with his dad? And my brother's like, oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, and he tells that story. Now, that's the story, and I, I don't brag, but it's back in the day, and then that's why I guess these guys didn't believe it, is I was stupid. Now they believed that. <laughs> but I went from <clears throat> good church kid to crazy. Why? Two, two, one basic thing, I got, my car, I got the car keys Parents, your kids, just because they're 16 They don't need a car Just helping you here Got my car And I got my car And then my parents did mistake number two They trusted me And so I was going to drive to the church camp And pick up my buddy on the way, Steve We were going to go to church camp And so what do you do at church camp? Well, a lot of cool things And you have Bible songs and all that stuff And you also drink beer at least we were going to, secretly. It was going to be awesome. Got Miller Shorties. I got one of my buddies who looked older than he was to go to the drive through you know, and he got these Miller Shorties. I got a whole bunch of them, and I put them in my suitcase. But my dad's realizing something, you know, when his son walks by with a suitcase like this. <clears throat> so he said, son, let me see what you're... He just tried to act interested, which is hilarious. Son, let's see what you packed. But I had already thought this one through, so I had hid the beers inside a coat wrapped up. He opens it up, and I'm just standing there. He goes, "Huh? Your coat's wrinkled." Picks it up. <laughs> 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 he was hot because my dad was not a drinker, and he was hot. And he goes, "You're drinking beer, and you're going out with whatever." And I forget what word he used about my girlfriend, just because I had a purple mark right there. I don't know where that came from, but, and he said that about my girlfriend and I said, I'm not bragging. This is horrible. I said, F you. Yeah. And that old man, not old. He was like 39, 40. <laughs> he came across the bed. Cause we were, he comes across the bed, pow, pow, hit me twice in the face. I go down, should have stayed down, should have stayed down, but I'm defending my girlfriend. And I come up and I pushed him. Now he's six foot two. I pushed him out the door. He tripped and fell. And he didn't stay down. He jumped up, and I'm just shocked at how fast this old man is. He grabbed me, flipped me around. I'm on the floor. He's cocked back. And thank you, Jesus. Mama saved my life. She goes, Don't kill him. He's with you. I ran out, jumped in the car, drove away, went to church camp anyway until they drove all the way there and got my butt and brought me back. Well, these guys are saying, was that right? My brother's like, yeah, but I saw I was standing there and when he, dropped, when he dropped the F-bomb, I'm like, oh, he's dead. Hope I get his room. <laughs> Where did my rebellion come from? The answer's in Genesis. You know what fixed dad and mom's wild, sinful, fallen kid, me? The Savior promised in Genesis. And now I live on the foundation of the Word of God. Not perfectly. Not perfectly. But you can ask my wife, Robinette, or my kids, or my kids' spouses, or my grandkids. We're trying. We're trying by God's help and enablement and empowerment to live these verses. Because we do call Him Lord, Master. We're imperfect in that. But we do because he's promised everyone who comes to me and listens. So we've come to him personally in faith and we listen, we listen. In, in, in church, we listen through his word during the week, listen to my words and then there's the toughest, but the best puts them into practice. I will show you what he's like because this is what we want in our lives and our family. He's like a man building a house because that's what we're building. We're building a, a family and a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on bedrock because the floods are gonna come and the is gonna burst against it. They already have. I've been married forty some years. We've had the floods and we've had the and there have been times when the old house shook. But it still stands. And I would say that our marriage is better than it's probably ever been right now. So because it had been well built. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for your family. That's what I want for your kids. Here's the sad thing, though. Some of you, you're you're not living those verses. You're living these verses. The person who hears, you hear, you're here. If you're online, and does not put my words into practice, does not put my words into practice, is like a man. And this is Jesus talking. Does Jesus ever tell a lie? No. Like a man or a woman who built a house on the ground without a foundation. That's what you're doing is you're building on sand, cultural sand, whatever, you know. And when the river burst against the house and it's gonna, it collapsed immediately and was utterly destroyed. That's where you're headed unless you do some foundation work. And that's what this series is is really all about. Get back to Genesis. Get back to the bedrock. Over the next multiple weeks, I want you to be here. Start laying a new foundation that is solid and secure. So that when those next floods come, because some of you right now are in the middle of them, the water's rising and your your house is shaking. And I pray to God that you will drill down and lay that foundation. God, I pray that you would just do an amazing, amazing work in our lives. Foundational work. And God help us to grab a hold of your book, the first book, the foundational book of the whole Word of God. And, and Lord, maybe replace some stuff that we built badly. Shift some things, repent of some things, and lay on the foundation that is Jesus Christ and his word. Now the heads bowed and your eyes closed real quick. Where are you at? Where are you at if, with what you're building on? Are you, are you someone who comes and you hear, but then you're like, eh, and you, know, you don't really put it into practice then you're living the wrong verses. You're living the wrong verses, and you'll get the bad promise. So right now, why don't you just, however, just say in your heart, from the quietness of your heart to the quietness of his, Lord, help me to build right. Forgive me for building wrong. Help me to start building right. Just tell him that. Help me to start. Help me to get serious. Help me to be here. Help me to invest in my foundation and my family's foundation. Amen.